morning, good morning to each of you. Come on, you can do better than that. Those of you who are worshiping with us, come on, let's give God some praise in here. Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Good morning to, to those of you who are watching us this morning. If you're watching us on Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, or you are engaging with our live chat room found on the church website, I want to say welcome to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage along with you this morning. So real quick, we want you to invite and share this experience with others. So if you are watching on Facebook, share it to your personal timeline. You can also tag those whom you want to invite within the post. If you are on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and then text the link to this worship service to your personal timeline or network. And if you are in the chat room on our church website, I want you to click on the invite button in your chat window to share this experience with others. Good morning, good morning. For those of you who are worshiping in person this morning, can you stand all over this building? Can I get you to stand? This is the day that the Lord has made. Come on, I said this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. A call to worship scripture this morning is Psalm 100. And it says this, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that have made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name for the lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations all over this building why don't you put your hands together for a wonderful wonderful christmas morning celebration this is the day come on this is the day he woke us up this morning he gave us life, health, and strength. We ought to give him our best worship today. Come on, all over this place. Let's give God some worship today. Let's invite him to sit down in our praise and in our worship. Hallelujah. Our choir is going to lead us in our opening selection. Why don't you help them to sing? Harp, the herald angels sing. Come on, everybody, let's sing together.
glory to our newborn King. Good morning, good morning. Our scripture this morning is found in Psalm 97. Beginning at the first verse, it reads like this. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. Let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, Lord, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of his hand of the wicked. Light is sown in the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Now listen, reading is one thing, but hearing is another but application is also something else. So let us begin to apply the words of this scripture. Why don't we go to God in prayer? Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Lord, we want to say thank you this morning. Thank you, Father, for bringing us here for another Sunday morning. This is the day that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. So God, we just say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for sending your Son who went to the cross and died for all of our sins. And so God, what we want to do this morning is we want to worship you. We want to worship you, oh God, because we are grateful and we are thankful that you are here. God, we are thankful that we can feel you in the building. We felt you, oh God, even before we walked into the sanctuary. Oh God, as we drove onto the parking lot, God, we were excited because we knew that your presence was alive and well in this place. So God, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you sit down in our praise and in our worship today. We just want to love on you today. Invoke your presence, oh God, upon this place in such a way, oh God, that those who don't believe will become believers. God, we pray that as we worship you, as we celebrate you in prayer and in song, oh God, we pray in the name of Jesus that people who've never felt you before will feel your presence today. Oh God, those of us who believe, those of us who know you in the free pardon of our sins, we know, oh God, that you are in the building because we can feel your presence. We feel you, God, moving up and down every aisle.
today. Now saturate this atmosphere. Saturate this atmosphere with your spirit today. Oh God, saturate this atmosphere so much so that when we leave here today, oh God, we're going to leave here leaping and jumping knowing that we have been in your presence. Oh God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving us another chance. God, thank you for giving us another opportunity. Oh, God, thank you. It wasn't because of anything good that we had done that you woke us up this morning. But God, you touched us with your finger of love and you said one more day, one more chance, one more opportunity to get right what we got wrong on yesterday. So God, today, as we are with family and friends, we pray, oh God, that they begin to feel the essence of your presence. Oh God, in every venue, in every home, oh God, we want to feel you today like never before. God, you get the glory. God, you get the glory. God, you get the glory. God, you get the glory out of everything that we say and everything that we do today. God, we forget about ourselves. We forget about what we're going through. And we worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we love you. We love you so much, God, for being that kind of God who just stops by for a little while and shares with us, oh God, your spirit. Let your Holy Spirit reign full and free in this place today. So much so, oh God. Oh, so much so, oh God. That some of us will feel joy. We'll feel peace. Oh God, we'll feel your love. Your marvelous, marvelous love. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in here. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's give God some praise in here. You may have your seats in the presence of the Lord.
Come on, let's give our Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserved. For this is really the day the Lord has made. And if there's ever a time that we ought to be joyful, it is because God came into the world in the form of Jesus Christ to reclaim, reconcile, and redeem us unto himself. And for certainly, if there's any time that anyone ought to press his or her way to worship, it is when Christmas is on a Sunday. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let me say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to each and every one of you who have pressed your way to be in our physical space. For all of those that are joining us on virtual space as far as Facebook and Zoom as well as our website. Uh, we want to welcome you to St. Paul Baptist Church, and thank you, Dr. Redmond, for moving service along. And, of course, we don't take this day for granted, so we thank God for each and every one of you. Just a few things I want to share with you as we move forward as far as today's worship experience is concerned, that on this Saturday, this Saturday, which is New Year's Eve, we're going to have a special prayer service at 1130. It's going to be on Zoom. Check your email, uh, and I'm hoping that we can even send that out via text message uh, to log in, and we'll send uh, access to all of those who are part of our database. And after our prayer service on New Year's uh, Eve, we're going to take a moment to remember those who have passed away this year. Also, next Sunday is New Year's Day. Amen. New Year's Day, and we're going to have Consecration Sunday on next Sunday uh, during our uh, in-person worship experience. So all of those that want to be consecrated, you can make your way to the church. I, I don't know how to consecrate virtually. Uh, I haven't quite figured that out yet. And also at the same time, I'm glad that God does not redeem us virtually as well. So I'm going to, we're going to anoint with oil on next Sunday during our 10 o'clock worship service. For those who may not come, you can get oil and you can anoint yourself. But I will be, uh, uh, me and the ministers, we'll be anointing on next Sunday at 10. We will not have Sunday school. Um, and I also just want to let you all know that Love Notes 2023 start making preparations for that for the weekend retreat. Uh, the theme is The Closer I Get to You. Join us on February 3rd through the 5th for a weekend of intentionally connecting with your spouse and to be uplifted and inspired uh, by other married guests. On Friday, they will have a virtual comedy show. On Saturday morning, we will have a breakfast and a half day of seminars. And then that Saturday night, we're going to have a sneaker ball. Amen. So wear your finest with some some, uh, some some sneakers and come to the Ray of Hope. And we're going to share it then that Sunday morning. Join us in worship. Amen? Amen. Amen. As we move forward as far as this morning's worship experience is concerned, because I know that many of you all want to get back either to food or toys. So we're going to move this thing along. But I want you to do me one favor before we do that. Can you help me to celebrate our special Christmas choir that Scott put together? Amen. Amen. Let's give God praise for them. Uh, uh, his giftedness uh, and how he coordinates that as far as our musical team and our music ministry is concerned is just extraordinarily beneficial to our congregation, and we thank God for him. As we move forward, as far as this morning's worship experience is concerned, we want to, uh, at this particular time, 
uh, call your minds and hearts as far as prayer is concerned, as far as prayer is concerned. And as we go to the Lord in prayer, I'm going to ask that we will keep the family of uh, Reggie Pettigrew, the son-in-law of Disciple Beatrice Fair. And those services are pending. We want to lift up the family of Ronald Boulware, uh, the husband of Disciple Bernadette Boulware, and uh, keep those families lifted up in prayer. And the family of Marion Rascal Harvey, the mother of Disciple Marcus Harvey, we continue to lift them in prayer. And then the family of Sister Shirley Robinson Ginyard, who is the aunt of Disciple Willie Robinson. We also want to lift up Reverend Brenda Richardson, who had a procedure several days ago. We want to thank her with our prayers, as well as Sister Lisa Duncan. Uh, we want to give her our prayers. Wayne Tumberland, Hillary Bellinger, and Tavia Sanders. And, of course, our pastor emeritus, Reverend Paul Drummond, and his lovely wife, Lady Thomasina. We want to keep those persons lifted up in our prayers and I want to be intentional as far as today's prayer is concerned because even though it's, this is considered to be a joyful time of the year, for some folks this is a hard time of the year. And so for a lot of folks, this is a time of somber reflection. This is a time of deep grief. And so I want to lift up all of those who are just having a tough time navigating this particular uh, season because of the death of someone you love dearly. And it is my hope that the Lord will give you the peace um, and even mingle your sorrow with his joy uh, as you navigate uh, this particular moment, this season that can be filled with heaviness. I'm going to ask that uh, Dr. Redman will come. She's going to take us to the throne of grace and uh, we will uh, allow for her to usher us into God's presence with our pastoral prayer. Would you pray with me for just a few moments? Along with Pastor Scott, that this time that should be light, a time where our hearts should be happy. Some of us are struggling this morning. Some of us are struggling because that person that used to sit at the head of the table is no longer there. That person who used to lay in the bed right next to us is no longer there. Father, some of us are struggling this morning. Some of us are struggling because we miss our loved ones. Oh God, we are honest and we lay our honesty at your feet. God, we know that you hear us. Oh God, we know that you mend the brokenhearted. God, we know that you are there when we cry. And God, you are there when our hearts are heavy. And so God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my sisters and my brothers. Oh God, I stand as an intercessor this morning. And I intercede for them. I intercede on their behalf. Oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the heaviness that they feel, that you would lift that burden today. Lift it for just a little while, God. We know it may come back, but God, we pray in the name of Jesus for just a little while. 
God, allow this heaviness to be alleviated. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that we can feel your presence. God, allow us to feel your joy. Allow us to feel your peace. That peace that surpasses all understanding today. God, allow us to know you. Know you, God, in such a way that we can feel you. We can feel your heart. We can feel your heartbeat. We can feel you breathing down our arms and legs. And God, breathing on us, God, in the name of Jesus. God, we say thank you. God, we feel you in the building. We feel you moving about every aisle. We feel you, oh God, moving in such a way that your people are beginning to feel the joy of this season. Because today really is a day of joy. Today is a day of merriness. God, today is the day that you sent your son. You sent your son who came to this earth to go to the cross and die on the cross for our sins. So God, we say thank you for that. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, oh God, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for those who are sick right now, those who are in hospitals right now. God, I pray for your healing virtue. God, begin to heal them. Heal them up, God, in such a way that they won't even feel that they've been sick. Oh, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would do something in this atmosphere today as we celebrate you. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you move by your power. Move by your power, your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit. We want to move full and free today in such a way, oh God, that somebody that doesn't know you will leave you knowing you. God, be with our pastor as he stands to preach. Oh God, anoint him afresh from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. God, give him power, power to preach in such a way today that somebody, Somebody will cry out, I yield, I yield. What must I do to be saved? God, we love you. We love you, oh God. Even when we're sad, we still love you. Even when we don't feel like lifting our hands, God, we still love you. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you move up and down every aisle. Do something new in us. Oh God, share your love, your peace, and your joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 If you believe that God is answering that prayer, can you celebrate and give God praise? Oh, I think we do a whole lot better than that. Hallelujah. 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 Sisters and brothers, it is time to give. I am told that uh, our board chair, uh, Sister Gwendolyn Garnett, is going to come at this moment uh and as she comes we're going to ask that you will make preparation as far as giving is concerned today to celebrate the birth of Jesus. That is awesome. Today, as, as always with the holidays, um, we are honored to have and, and bless Pastor Scott for those who choose to 
with a Christmas gift if he would like to. And the way we're going to do it this year is after the, immediately after the offering, but before the song, Scott, Jerry and uh, the, the finest team will be here if you want to bring cards, gifts, or whatever to, to uh, put in the, uh, in the basket. Also, today we celebrate the birth of Lady Pierre. Yeah. Happy birthday. And so, as, as, and I know some of you will, if you also want to gift her, you may do so as well. You can do it online through Giftify as well under Pastor Special Days. And again, let's celebrate the birth of Jesus today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, and so, Pure does not look her age, and I'm not going to tell y'all how old she is. But we thank God. We thank God for that. And so, as we prepare to give... Um, Today, as we give our tithes and offerings, what what other Sunday beside Resurrection Sunday that we should be ever mindful of the gift that God has given us? And so as we prepare to give, as we prepare to give for those that are watching us online, there are several ways that you can give as far as this morning is concerned. Of course, you can mail check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen street charlotte north carolina uh, 28205 or you can drop off check cash or money order when the church is open um and that will be after uh january the second um, if you so desire to give through our website you can give through our website acs or church life and you can also give through the app called givelify and if you don't have that app on your smart device download that app connect it to your favorite credit card and in three clicks you can give for those that are in-house, if you want to give a physical offering, there's a basket on the outer aisles. You can take that basket and pass it down as far as the appropriate time is concerned. That's on the outer aisles, passing to the inner aisle. So if you would, however you're giving, if you have a digital offering or a physical offering, or if you've already given your offering, just hold up your hand. But let's lift up our right, put our offering in our right hand. Let those folks in so they can give. Amen. Come on in. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm trying to get everybody to give something to Jesus this morning. All right. All right. All right. Come on in. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hold on just a moment. All right. All right. God bless you. Amen. I take delight in seeing folks come to church on Christmas Day. Amen. 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 Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to partner with you in the act of giving. And Lord, it's something we don't take for granted. Lord, we pray that right now that you will bless this offering, bless those that have to give, bless those that feel like they don't have anything to give, and Lord, increase their faith. Then, God, for those who feel like they don't have to give, we pray that you will convict them and convince them they can't beat you giving no matter how hard they try. For those that are practicing the discipline of giving tithes and offerings, there's a special blessing connected to that. And God, we pray, we ask, we implore that you will fulfill your word as far as that promise is concerned. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And on this Christmas day, we claim it done. Amen. For those that have uh, offerings, if you would, on the outer edges, uh, look down beside your row and take that basket and pass it on down as far as uh, the offering is concerned. Amen. Amen. We greatly appreciate that. Greatly appreciate that. Greatly appreciate that.
I also uh, want to ask that we will keep our vice chair of deacons, uh, Brother Ted Pearson. We're going to continue to lift him up in prayer as well. So um, he had a procedure several weeks ago. Uh, Brother Ken has come down, and anyone that feels led to give to the pastor or to Lady Pierre for her birthday, and you want to give uh, something physical, you're more than welcome to bring it on down right now. We're not going to pass the basket, uh, but if you feel led to do that, you can bring that, that gift on down right now. And as they give it, we will go ahead and have the song for the Samonic Selection by the choir. ordinary teenage girl was visited by an angel with an extraordinary message of God's blessing and favor. I found favor with God. I am going to have a son. His name is to be Jesus, the throne of David, a kingdom without end. How can this be? Gabriel's response was simple. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For a moment, all of heaven waited for her response. Mary, Mary, come to bring good news. God of all the universe has highly favored you.
Praise goes right there. Let me try that again. I think a praise goes right there. Uh, let me try that one more time for the Holy Ghost. I think a praise goes right there. I think a praise goes right there. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Let me, let me, let me just say, I'm going to be honest. There are, there are three times that, that we as pastors have a hard time preaching to. Three days. Christmas, Resurrection Sunday, and Mother's Day. And I don't want this Christmas to be what some folks would consider to be typical. That you just came out of what you felt a sense of obligation. I want some folks that are here and that are online that really know you want to be here and be in service because of what God did through Jesus Christ 
nearly 2,000 years ago. So I just need you to kind of set the atmosphere for this preaching moment because we have the most precious gift that God can give us, and that is the gift of salvation. Hallelujah. And help me to celebrate, again, this incredible music ministry and the wonderful job they have done as far as today is concerned. And let's give our narrator a round of applause as well, Deacon Rod Milliken. Amen. Amen. I've been preaching a series of sermons talking about the gifts that God gives us. And um, um, this is the third and last sermon in that series. This is the third and last sermon in that series. And so I want to call your attention to Luke chapter 2, verse 7 through 14. Luke chapter 2, verse 7 through 14, as we look at the Christmas narrative. Uh, Luke chapter 7, 2 rather, verse 7 through 14. Luke 2, 7 through 14. And these words are printed in the New King James Version of the Scriptures. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I want to preach for the time that is mine, accepting the gift of salvation. Uh, accepting the gift of salvation. This morning, most of you all, especially our children, have been up early. Been up early unwrapping gifts. Probably had difficulty sleeping last night, particularly our children, because you were anticipating getting what you've been asking your parents for and what you've been looking for Santa Claus to bring. You've been making preparation for this day for quite some time. And now the day has come, and you were up early this morning, waiting with great anticipation and expectation to unwrap those gifts. 
Most of your gifts were probably in a box or had paper wrapped around it. It was with colorful tissue in a bag. But whatever and however your gift came, you were ready for it with the hopes that you got what you were looking for. I don't know what kids want today. I, I have a 13-year-old, and her wishes change like the seasons as far as the year is concerned. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know what, what, what is it that, that kids want today because they get so much of what they want already. I, I don't know what, what, what is it that kids want today. Kids, children, children. Do I have any children in here? Did y'all get anything? What you get? No, keep your hand up, baby. You get what you want for Christmas. Gift cards. Gift cards. Gift cards. Okay. Gift cards. Did you get your gift cards? Did you get the squish ball? Did you get the weighted blanket? Whatever you got. I, I hope and pray that you got what you wanted for Christmas. For us adults, it's new tech toys or the latest fashion as far as clothing. Or perhaps some woman finally got that ring or got some money or the diamond or the fur. But whatever your wish was, I, I pray to God that you got it. Here's the thing about, about gifts, though, beloved. A gift says something about the giver. And when we receive a gift from somebody, uh, it is predicated upon the fact that that person was thinking about us and we should always be mindful of the giver and not only the gift. In fact, there should be some talk about the giver because the giver needs to be acknowledged for the gift that he or she has given. And when properly given and when properly received, the gift points beyond itself. That, that gift becomes a personal time for reflection and communication and even self-disclosure. In other words, the gift provides an opportunity for the giver and the recipient to have conversation of love because you don't give a gift to somebody you don't like. This is why, beloved, you and I on this Christmas morning should be shouting for joy and hallelujah happy because of the gift that God has given us. The gift that God has given us has been personalized and custom made for each and every one of us. Here's the thing about the gift that God has given us. You can't get it at North Lake or South Park Mall. You can't order it from Amazon. You cannot certainly buy this gift. And none of us in here, if we had all the money in the world, could afford the gift. The cost is too great. The price is too high. The valuable is too incalculable. The gift, though, is available for any man, woman, boy, or girl who is ready, willing, and able to take the gift that God has prepared for you. And it is this gift that proves the love and generosity that God has for each and every one of us, even though we have been more naughty than nice.
This is what John meant when he wrote, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but shall have what? Everlasting life. John 3.16 describes the passion and the love that God has for all of humanity who has messed up because of sin. And it is demonstrated all that God goes through to get us back to our original purpose. And that is to glorify God and to be in relationship with God. God wants to be connected to us so that God can bless us abundantly, love us extravagantly, and forgive us graciously. And for this to happen, the disconnection between God and humanity has to be repaired. But you and I cannot fix this breach between God and us. Only God can do that. You all know how we got in the mess we in, don't you? Well, let me not take it for granted. Let me just give you a quick synopsis. Uh, according to the Bible, Adam and Eve messed us up. And in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating of the tree, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God told them not to eat of. And a perfect and personal relationship with the creator of the universe became tattered and torn because of disobedience. There was a fallout between God and humanity. And guess what? If God chose to, he could have left us to our own demise. If God chose to, he could have left us to our consequences. If God chose to, he could have abandoned each and every one of us. But I'm glad that God in Genesis 3.15 started putting in wrapping the promise that God was going to get us. So instead of abandoning us, God divinely designs the way that you and I can get back to God so that we will not be left to our miserable misfortunes and chaotic consequences. I am glad that God put back in the plan in Genesis 3.15 when he said that I'm going to send somebody the seed of the woman and it shall bruise the head of the serpent and it shall bruise his heel. Here's my shout right now. I am glad that God did not leave this up to us because if it was up to us, none of us would be saved right now. And this is why you and I gather on a Sunday morning on Christmas Day to give God glory, honor, and praise for the gift that only God could give. Beloved, this is what I love about our God. God does not leave to chance for us to fix the breach between God and humanity. God takes it upon God's self to do the necessary reparation work because God knew if it was left up to us, none of us would ever get it right. And I don't know about anybody else, but I'm glad that God did not leave it to me. I'm certainly glad that God did not leave it to you. If God left it to me, some folks would get left out. If God left it to you, some other folks would get left out. But I'm glad that God took it upon God's self to do what God needed to do to get us right with God. And this is why you and I can shout right now because we are not saved by our works. We are not saved by our bank accounts. We are not saved by our degrees. We are not saved by 
our family members. We are not saved by St. Paul Baptist Church. We are not saved by our politics. We are not even saved by our race, our ethnicity. We are not saved by our gender. We are saved by the grace of God when we place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And, and I know it's Christmas morning, and I know some of you all are dressed in your Christmas finest, but I need about 11 of y'all, I'll make 12, that don't mind giving God praise because you know you are saved not because of anything you have done. You're saved because of everything God has done for you. If I don't preach no more this year, I'm going to preach on Christmas Day. Here it is. Somebody does not want you to have this gift. Somebody is afraid that if you get this gift that God has for you, uh, that, 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 that you just might, you just might become everything that God wants you to be. So somebody doesn't want you to claim this gift. Because they're afraid you might operate with power. You might get some joy in your life. You might find yourself helping somebody. You might find yourself having a peace of mind. You might have, find yourself having clarity of thought. Somebody does not want you to have this gift. Because if we get this gift, we'll get delivered from our bondage. We'll get set free from our issues. We'll get out of our sin traps. We'll get healing for our situations. We'll have the power to deal with the drama and the the trauma that comes our way if we get this gift we may turn our lives around and be better than we've ever been if we get this gift uh, somebody in our proximity may become a little bit better because of the light of Jesus that shines in our life if we get this gift uh, we might stop fussing so much and cussing so much and being depressed so much if we get this gift we may lift up a bow down head and have our tears dried up if we get this gift, we might feel a little bit better than we did prior to having the gift. Am I talking to anybody that know what I'm talking about right now? That's all that Joseph and Mary did. They just made sure the gift got delivered so we would be set free from our stuff. Luke tells us, Luke tells us about a census and about a tax collecting event that took place many years ago. Joseph and Mary had to go to a little town called Bethlehem to register for the census. They had to be counted. And they also had to pay their taxes. Mary is pregnant. She's in the last few days of the final trimester. Her water could break at any time. Joseph is on edge because this is the first child for him as well. The Roman government placed this burden upon this couple to go to the hometown where they were born to be registered. Joseph was born in Bethlehem. Mary was rolling with her husband. They're getting ready to have a baby. And when they get to Bethlehem, all the rooms are taken. Holiday Inn, the Hilton, and the Marriott were all sold out. 
No vacancies, no room at the Omni, the Ritz-Carlton, or the JW Marriott. No vacancy at the Red Roof Inn, Motel 6, or even the extended stay. However, one of the managers at the hotel said uh, there was uh, a place in the back where they could uh, hang out for the night. I don't know if it was a cave. I don't know if it was a lower floor in somebody's house. All I know is that where they stayed was in a place where the animals were usually kept. The Bible tells us that Mary had a baby, a baby boy. She wrapped him in swaddling cloth, placed him in a trough. You all do know what a trough is, don't you? I know I got some folks from the country that know what a trough is, don't you? A trough is where horses eat their hay. A trough is where cows eat eat their hay. And if you really, really nasty, because they were Jews, they didn't deal with pigs. But for those of us that's really from the country, you know you slopped the hogs in a trough. Ain't nothing supernatural about a trough. Ain't nothing glorious about a trough. Ain't nothing miraculous about a trough. And there's nothing mystical or mysterious about the birth of this child, even though they placed the baby in a trough. And if we can be honest, because all of us have not lived where we live and driving what we are driving and wearing what we are wearing. Some of us, all right, I'll be transparent. When I came into the world, I didn't have a baby crib when I was born. As a matter of fact, when my mother brought me from the house in Cook County Hospital in Chicago, Illinois, took me to my grandmother's house, they could not afford a crib for me. All they did was take some blankets, they took a drawer, placed the blankets in the drawer, and that was my crib for the first several weeks of my life until I outgrew it. And then when I outgrew it, I still didn't have my own bed. They made a pallet on the floor, and that's where I slept. But y'all talking about a trough, I'll take a drawer any day. But a trough, my situation, your situation, wasn't as bad as Jesus. But I'm so glad we serve a God who can get glory from a trough. I'm coming after about four of y'all. I'm going to make five. If God can get glory from a trough, then he should not have any problems getting glory from you and me on a Christmas morning. If we can give God praise about a manger, then we should not have any problem giving God praise as he helps us to navigate the mess in our lives. If we can shout over a manger, then we should have no problem blessing God how he has kept us, how he has fed us, how he has provided for us, and how he loved us. If we can sing about little crib, then we can certainly sing about the care that God has given each and every one of us and all of us from the choir stand through the pulpit to the back door ought to be able to give God praise because God is able to get glory out of some messy situations and this is why we gather on a Christmas morning because there would be no Christmas if there weren't for poor folks y'all gonna catch that on the way home you can't have Christmas if you're not willing to acknowledge the poor because our Savior came through the poor and the oppressed and the disinformation franchise and God makes his identification with those of us that are on the underside of society this story messes me up because on the surface there's nothing miraculous about it nothing mystical about the birth of Jesus for Mary and Joseph Bible tells us that there were some shepherds 
on the outskirts of town watching their sheep. They were minding their own business. An angel shows up to talk to the shepherds. The shepherds were back then considered to be outcasts, a bunch of nobodies. Look at how God makes identification, not with the rich, famous, and fabulous, but with the poor and uh, the disenfranchised. The, this angel appeared to those that we least expect, a bunch of stinky shepherds who are smelling like their sheep. But the shepherds got scared. The angel told them, don't be afraid because I got some good news for everybody. A savior is born in the city of David, the town of Bethlehem. The sign would be a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, laying in a trough. The choir broke out with a song saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Here is my shout for somebody right now. God's best gift ain't coming at Macy's, Neiman Marcus, or Nordstrom. God's best gift will be found in a manger in Bethlehem. It will be found in a wooden trough. But, ooh, I feel like shouting right now. This trough is Jesus' first encounter with some wood, but it would not be his last. Why should we accept the gift of salvation that God offered us. Let me give you my little four uh, and I'll be done. First of all, you accept this gift because this gift will help us to overcome our fears. It's right there in verses 8 through 10 when the angel comes before the shepherd because they were afraid. I don't know about anybody else, but if an angel showed up in my presence, I believe my pressure would rise just a little bit too. The angel tells them, don't be scared because that's just the natural tendency to run like roaches when the lights come on. The shepherds were afraid, rightfully so, because back during the biblical times, whenever an angel showed up, it wasn't good news. Whenever an angel showed up, the angel was bringing words of judgment. Whenever an angel showed up, the angel was bringing doom and gloom. But in this case, the angel brings good news. And I contend this may be the first gospel message preached in all of the New Testament. The good news is, and here's why we are here today, the Savior is born in the world. Like the shepherd, there are times when you and I become afraid when God gets ready to do something new in our midst. We become afraid because we don't know what it might cost us if we accept this gift that God is giving us. But fear is not uncommon, especially when you read the Gospels. And whenever you read the Gospels, even prior to Jesus' birth, uh, there was fear. As a matter of fact, Zacharias, who was the father of John the Baptist, became fearful when an angel showed up and told him he was going to be a father. He was well Way up in age and his wife Elizabeth was way up in age and they did not have in vitro fertilization back during that time but somehow Elizabeth got pregnant and because Zacharias did not believe he was silent until the day John the Baptist was born even Mary the mother of Jesus got fearful when Gabriel showed up in her midst and he had to remind her don't be afraid because God you have found favor among God 
God and among humanity. And he told her that she was going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. Can I bless somebody quick, fast, and in a hurry? There are times when God will show up in your life and remove the fear because what you are about to do is you are about to abort the blessing that God has for you because you're scared. You are about to uh, 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 mess up the blessing because you think that God cannot produce uh, uh, something out of nothing. But that's the God we serve. The God that always making something out of nothing. And if you don't believe me, all you got to do is go back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God uh, said, let there be light. And he created the heavens and the earth out of nothingness. But that's how fear works in our lives. Fear always creeps in when something new is getting ready to happen. And the reason that some of us are stuck is because we kill the product before it ever comes forth because of fear. The problem is not fear itself, but how you let fear choke you and paralyze you and uh, keep you in its grip until you don't move. Fear has kept many of us from pursuing our dreams, from going back to school, from pursuing the business, from reaching our goals, for outlining our vision. Fear has caused too many of us to become stuck in our tracks until we don't try anything new. Why? Because we're scared. And you know how it is. We ain't never done it like this before. Well, you ain't going to get what you never had if you ain't willing to do what you never done. But our fears are connected because of what we perceive to be a lack of resources. Or we perceive we ain't connected to the right person. But I'm here to let you know that if you're connected to God, you're connected to the right person. If you got Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're connected to the right person. You ain't got to be connected to a politician or a banker or a businessman or who's who in the community. If you're connected to God through Jesus Christ, you're connected to the right person. Why? Because he's everything that you need. God, I feel like preaching. We feel like we can't do anything because we ain't got stuff we can see. But the God I serve is able to work with the stuff you can't see. Ooh, can I preach it the way that I feel it? And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, y'all don't you know that was a move of grace and what I have discovered about being connected to Jesus is that when you're connected to Jesus you're connected to love and the Bible says that love casts out all fear fear ain't nothing more than false evidence appearing real the ultimate reality ain't your fear the ultimate reality is Jesus Christ and anybody know that when you got Jesus you got everything you need if you have Jesus, he'll help you deal with your fear. Can I press my claim a little bit further? Because this gift is also the remedy for our sins. It's right there in verse 11a. It's right, it's right there in verse 11a. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. I really could stop right there. Shut down the sermon and we call it a day. A savior. A savior. A savior, St. Paul. What kind of savior? During that time, there were all kinds of saviors. From doctors to lawyers to philosophers to rulers. But notice that Luke says uh, a savior is born. So, so I want to know what kind of savior. Let me, if I could, give you a multiple choice. 
uh, question on the standardized test at St. Paul Church, and you can circle whatever the best answer for you is. What, what kind of Savior is Jesus? A, a doctor. B, a lawyer. C, a philosopher. D, a ruler. Or E, all of the above. Help me preach this thing. Help me preach this thing. I'm going to go with what you all said, all of the above, because in Jesus, there was a woman with the issue of blood who would testify, I know he's a doctor in the sick room, because I was crazy enough to believe that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. Uh, in Jesus, the woman that was caught in adultery said, I believe he's to be a lawyer, because when the Pharisees brought me before him and accused me of committing adultery, he got them put in check so fast, they ran like roaches when the light came on, and he asked me, did I have any accusers. I said, no, they're gone. He said, well, I tell you what, I'm not going to accuse you either. Go and don't do this again. Uh, the Pharisees, uh, even though they hated him, had to admit he was a great philosopher because one of them is heard him saying, never has a man spoken like this man. The disciples know him to be a ruler, not a ruler in the political sense, but this dude was so awesome and so astounding and so incredible that he ruled, watch this, even the weather. He was able to make lightning stop flashing. He was able to make thunder shut up. And he was able to make waves on a stormy sea lay down like children going to bed at night. And all of us in here ought to be able to proclaim him as Lord of Lords and as King of Kings and as Presidents of Presidents and as Rulers of Rulers. I heard an old preacher back in Mississippi. He used to put it like this. He's my all and all. Uh, what is it that this Savior going to save us from? He's going to save us literally from ourselves due to the fact that we made some bad choices that has placed us in some terrible situations from some crazy folks. We need somebody to save us from ourselves. Okay, I'm sorry. I did not mean to thrust my issues upon you. I need Jesus to save me from me. Now, the rest of you all can be all saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, but I believe I got two more people that don't mind joining me going like, yep, I need him to save me from me today right now. Uh, let me raise the bar on this. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus saves us from the negative choices, even though we have to suffer the consequences for the choices that we make. In other words, Jesus does not let our bad decisions have the final say over our eternal destiny. There ought to be a shout right there. As a matter of fact, Jesus does not let our bad decisions have the last word over our earthly existence. In other words, if your decision does not kill you, then Jesus got enough power to change your negative into a positive so that you will give him glory and not take the credit yourself. Uh, am I talking to anybody in here that know that Jesus is the one who saves us from all dangers, uh, all needs, uh, all sins, uh, and even death itself. Jesus is the one who safeguards us against disasters and destruction. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the one who provides us the blessed assurance when all hell is breaking loose. Uh, that's why the Pentecostal sisters and brothers used to sing, to the utmost uh, Jesus saves. And I know I'm in a Baptist church on a Christmas morning, but do I have anybody else that know that to the utmost uh, Jesus saves? Uh, do you know that he'll pick you up?
and he will turn you around. Somebody ought to holler out hallelujah. I say you ought to holler out hallelujah. You ought to holler out hallelujah. Jesus saves. I need somebody in here to know that's your testimony on a Christmas morning right now because the greatest gift you have is the salvation that God has given you. And if there's anybody that ought to be shouting, if there's anybody that ought to be giving them praise, if there's anybody that ought to lift up holy hand, it is saved, sanctified Christian folks that know he looked beyond your fault and he saw your need. All right, y'all want to act like you're all that in a bag of chips. Uh, every last one of us, uh, our righteousness are like filthy rags in the sight of God. But he looked beyond our fault and he saw our need. And so while you want to be all cute and while you want to be all sedated and while you want to be all this and that, I'm here to let you know with your ratchet unrighteous self, he still saves to the utmost. And so y'all got to excuse me. That's why I bounce up in here on a Christmas morning, lifting up holy hands, throwing back my black never head opening up my big lips and giving my God the praise because he saves he saves he saves hey 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 I also want to let y'all know that this gift will put you at odds with the culture. You gotta be careful about something. This gift will put you at odds with the world. It's right there in 11b when it says, Who is Christ? The Lord. The moment you call him Lord, Everything else takes a subordinate position. All right, okay, all right, all right, all right. Uh, um, uh, I didn't get it when the Holy Spirit dropped it on me, but as I worked through it, I got it, and I shouted before I finished the sermon. Here it is, that when you say Jesus is Lord, <laughs> everything else in your life goes to subordinate position. Y'all don't know what subordinate is. That means that Jesus is before everything. That when you say he's Lord, that means he's before, uh-oh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. That means he's before your boo, he's before your bae, he's before your husband, he's before your wife, he's before your children, he's before your job, he's before your money, he's before your possession. When you say that Jesus is Lord, you're saying, Jesus, you come before anybody and everybody in my life. Uh-oh. Now, 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 now. Now, Jesus is going to make you. He go, yeah, yeah. He's going to make you. When you submit, he's going to make you live counterculturally. He's going to make you go against the culture. All right, all right. Check this out. Remember, his birth occurred when Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome. Uh, Canorius was the governor of Syria. Herod was the puppet king of Judah. Herod tried to kill Jesus when he was a little boy. Uh, uh, Pilate asked him during his judgment prior to the crucifixion 
if he was the king of the Jews. The Roman soldiers tacked a piece of paper on the cross that called him king of the Jews. However, all that stuff will take place later. In this passage, Luke makes it abundantly clear that Jesus' birth is the beginning of a confrontation between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And the kingdom of God looked like it's weak and insignificant and vulnerable to the kingdoms of this world. Caesar Augustus never heard of Jesus Christ. But within a century, all of his successors in Rome would not only hear about Jesus, but they would take steps to kill all of the followers of Jesus. And within three centuries later, Constantine 